0: In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at sirah Intensive two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to seerahintensive.com to register and for more information. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in InshaAllah continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabawiyah the prophetic biography In the previous session we talked at length about um, One of the major events of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Particularly if you look at it in light of being, uh, you know, an event from, or rather an event pertaining to the personal life of the Prophet ﷺ, it was probably one of the most major events and a very difficult ordeal and um, one that came with ultimately uh, a lot of benefit, a lot of guidance, and a lot of insight and instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course I'm talking about the accusation or the false allegations, the slander of our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. So as I had mentioned previously, this all transpired in the sixth year of Hijrah. The sixth year of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa residence in the city of Medina. This more specifically occurred towards you know, uh, the second half of that year when the Prophet ﷺ had left Medina, embarked on the campaign of what would be known as Banul Mustaliq. And it was ultimately, alhamdulillah, it was not a very lengthy or a very difficult uh, or arduous you know, battle. The Muslims were able to achieve victory fairly easily without too, many, too much loss of life on either side. But in the return back from this journey, that's where things became very interesting and that's where a lot of fascinating things occurred. And one of them, of course, we talked about was the very tragic and unfortunate slander Ugly, false accusation against our beloved, respectable, honorable mother, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu So we talked about the entirety of the incident, and we talked about how it finally concluded and ended with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealing a significant portion of the Qur'an of the book of Allah, absolving... The wife of the Prophet ﷺ, the mother of the believers, Aisha radiAllahu anha, from any type of wrongdoing and calling out the people who would have dare accused her of anything at all, let alone something so heinous and egregious as you know what they had accused her of. And so I had expressed in the previous session that as you know has been our habit and kind of our tradition, if you will. Uh, in our series on the life of the Prophet ﷺ, that whenever there is a an event, and at you know due to that event, or in the aftermath of that event, there was the revelation, particularly if there was the revelation of a significant portion of the Qur'an, in order to really create a very tangible, practical, and powerful connection between the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the life of the Prophet ﷺ because the two are completely intertwined. And the two are completely related and and cannot actually be fully appreciated without the other, right? Neither one can be fully understood and appreciated without the other. But unfortunately, a lot of times, You know, as we find it these days, that the two have become very separated and almost kind of separate areas or fields of study. And this is no doubt, you know, as a a result of a couple of things. Number one is overall, our lack of study, our lack of diligence in studying um, our deen and our religion, where we don't make enough time to really properly, deeply, and profoundly study our religion. So we end up reading a little bit of sidar, we end up reading a little bit of translation of the Qur'an, and we never actually get to the point where we start making the connections between the two, and thereby appreciating both, and being able to extract deeper, and more profound, and beneficial lessons. Number two is, overall because of the decline of knowledge and understanding, and insight into our religion itself, that we became very influenced by outside, you know, voices and influences. We became affected by outside influences. So, the Orientalists, many different um, arenas of, you know, religious study or religious academics ended up telling us that, well the Seerah of the Prophet really isn't valid or authentic or authoritative. And so we as Muslims over time without even realizing it became influenced by that. And so we ended up discarding or putting aside the life of the Prophet ﷺ and thereby not really sometimes being able to understand not only of course what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying but how profound it is that Allah is saying what He's saying because of when He said it. Alright? And on the other hand, maybe we are studying the life of the Prophet ﷺ at some level, but like I said before, because of our lack of effort and initiative, and and our distance from the Book of Allah, and the language of the Book of Allah, we don't have a good appreciation of the Qur'an. And realizing that we are going to have to put in work and learn the Arabic language in order to be able to appreciate the Qur'an fully, we naturally started to shy away from it and became lazy in regards to it and became distant from it. So these two things became separated, unfortunately for a lot of people. So what we try to do in, these, in our series on the life of the Prophet here, the prophetic biography, whenever like I said, we study a particular event, and there is some Qur'an related to that event, then what we, what we end up doing in that circumstance is then going to the Book of Allah, going through those ayat and seeing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed the situation that we just studied. Now, before I actually go through the verses of Surah An-Nur, which is Surah number 24, and we're going to be going through Ayahs 11 through 26. Before I do that, there was one last, um, you know, there was one last, if you will, detail about this event. And one of the issues in the aftermath of this entire scenario of ifk, the accusation, the slander of Aisha رضي الله there was one last thing that I wanted to talk about that was a consequence of this because it is addressed in the ayat in the verses and then inshallah we'll go through the ayat and be able to appreciate it. And that last situation that I wanted to talk about was um, pertaining to, so I had mentioned previously that the way that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha even found out about what was being said about her was through the Um, Aunt of Abu Bakr Not even her aunt aunt, But her father Abu Bakr's aunt A very elderly lady Who was known as Umm Mistah Umm Mistah Alright, the mother of Mistah Mistah was the title or the nickname of her son Her son's name was Auf But he was known by the name of Mistah and so the mother of Mistah, she ended up breaking the news to Aisha radiallahu wa ta'ala anha. And specifically, if you recall, the incident was that she tripped or she stubbed her you know toe or kind of hit her foot on a rock and she kind of stumbled. And when she stumbled, you know, sometimes you kind of catch yourself and you say, SubhanAllah, or something like that. She said, Ta'isa Mistah. She said, may Mistah be may may Mistah be ruined. She cursed her son and Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha was very upset by this right she said how could you say that i understand aunt you are my elder but and he's your son you know a mother can say whatever she wants to you know to her son as most of us know through experience but Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha still said that you know you should be a little careful it's not a good thing to say in general and then particularly your son is not some ordinary man he is a sahabi rasul he is a companion of the prophet sallallahu he is a muhajir he left Mecca and came to medina and specifically the story of the hijra of mistah is also very powerful mistah radiallahu ta'ala when he was making hijrah from makkah to medina he left with a few other sahaba Ubaidah, tufail husayn uh, who were all the sons of al harith and mistah who was his who was their cousin he was going with them and making the journey from Makkah to Medina at the time of the Hijrah. This is six years later. And as they were going on the Hijrah, what ended up happening was that Mistah, he ended up getting you know bitten by a snake. He ended up getting bitten by a snake and because of that he became very, very severely ill. And um, he couldn't travel on any further. He couldn't undertake the journey. So he ended up insisting to his cousins, you guys go ahead on the journey, forget about me. But you guys save yourself and you guys make sure that you make it. And they eventually ended up refusing to go without him and they carried him, they lifted him up and they carried him and they carried him all the way to Medina. Right? So this is the condition, the circumstances under which Mistah even made the hijrah, the migration, he nearly died, he nearly lost his life on the way, right? So this is a very remarkable individual in terms of this accomplishment. Another thing Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says is that he is a Badri sahabi. He participated in the battle of Badr. He was amongst the 313 who stood out on that day without any weapons in their hands, across from an army three times their size, armed to the teeth, facing death, staring death in the face. Right? And were willing to give their lives for the sake of Allah and His Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So you should not curse him. And that's when she basically says, she just says, you don't know what Mista said about you? And what people are saying about you? And that's when she broke the news. So why do I bring that up again? Because now I wanted to talk a little bit about the aftermath of the incident. You know, the ayat of the Qur'an are revealed as we're going to go through. The news is released, you know, that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Allah has spoken on her behalf and said, Subhanaka, هذا بهتان al-ādim." This was a terrible, terrible, very egregious, severe slander of such a remarkable person. How dare you people do this? And not only that, but the command came down, like I talked about qadaf, slander. And the punishment for slander was carried out against the people who got caught up and involved in the rumor. And as I had mentioned previously in the previous session, that there were very terrible people like Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sululah, a munafiq, an open hypocrite, an enemy of the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims and Islam, who had, of course, started these rumors and spread these rumors. But unfortunately, very tragically, that even some good believers had just got caught up in the conversation. And they were also reprimanded and punished by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Mistah was one of these people. Now Mistah is the cousin of Abu Bakr. Because remember I said Mistah's mother is Abu Bakr's aunt. She is his khala, his mother's sister. All right? So Mistah is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu's first cousin. So after everything happened, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Called he said, I need to talk to you. I need to see you. Come see me. He said, He says, now tell me how you could do such a thing. You are my cousin. Why would you say what you said about Aisha? Why? I don't understand. I need you to explain to me. Now, you know we've talked about, you've probably heard this story before, read about it before, and we talk about this quite often. But I want, you know, one, one of the goals and the objectives that I try to, you know, strive for, particularly in this series, in general but in this series, is to really try to highlight, to bring to the forefront, the surface, the human element. The human element, the emotional component. To realize the humanity. And within that, the beauty and the significance and the reality and the practicality, the relatability, you know, that, that within the life of the Prophet and even the companions of the Prophet, that Abu Bakr is, of course, number one, offended. That his relative, somebody that he, you know, kind of looks after, mentors as an older cousin, like an older brother would get involved in such a terrible thing, number one. I'm disappointed in you that you would get involved with a munafiq like Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. How could you do that? Number two, then you spoke about the mother of the believers, which is offensive to any believer. She is our mother. How could you do that? Number three, what you said caused pain to the Prophet wasallam. Allah told us in the Qur'an, Don't be like those people who hurt, who caused pain to the prophets of the past. How could you do that? And then number four, and this is where the human component comes in, Aisha is Abu Bakr's daughter. I looked after you. I cared for you. I've always been there for you. And you came after my daughter, my baby girl, my Aisha, you came after her. You couldn't spare her. It's a hurt. He's hurt. He's a father. So he says to him, How could you say that about my Aisha?" And then he goes on to say that some of the other people who made the comments—they're from the Gansar. They made a mistake, but they don't know us the way you know us. He said that some other people who did it, they did it out of foolishness. They got caught up in the culture. But where are your family? Abdullah ibn Ubay is a munafiq. He, he openly speaks against the Prophet. Who cares about that guy? fi you are my family. You are my blood. Mata Wa anta ibnu Arba'i حِجَجْ he says not only that Ya Your father passed away When you were four years old And who's taken care of you since then I've been, I've been like a father to you I've been like an older brother to you I've been like an uncle to you I've looked after you I've supported your mother She's my aunt I love her But I paid all the bills I took care of you I nurtured you. I fed you, I clothed you until you became a man. مَا قطعت, مَا قطعت I have never spared a penny in making sure you had the most comfortable lifestyle possible until today. لَا وَصَلْتُكَ أبدا. He said from today on forth you are just a stranger you are just a man to me just like any other man and my money will not serve you any longer وَلَا عَطَفْتُ عَلَيْكَ أَبَدًا I have no feelings for you any longer you've broken my heart ثُمَّ طرده أبو بكر. and Abu Bakr said now go you're dead to me go من <منزله> he kicked him out of his home. This is a narration from Majma' al-Zawaid and from the Tabaqat. And then the ayat of the Quran came down, specifically ayah number twenty-two: ولا مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ I'm gonna go through the translation of the ayat, so I'll save that for there. But at the end of the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do that whatever you've said that you would do in terms of pulling back your support, don't do it. And why should you not withdraw your support and withdraw and cut off and sever your relations? Allahu don't you want Allah to forgive you? Don't you want Allah to forgive you? That it's easy to maintain relations with with someone when they're good to you. That's easy. There's nothing remarkable about that. It's difficult to maintain relations with someone when they've been bad to you, when they've been unfair to you, when they've been unjust with you. To still be merciful towards them, to still be empathetic towards them, and that is what earns a per- person the forgiveness and the mercy of Allah. Allah <laughs> tuhibuna inyafir Allahu lakum. When Abu Bakr radiAllahu taalaAni heard these ayats from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Bakah Abu Bakr. Bakah Abu Bakr. He started to cry. فَقَالَ أَمَّا أَمَّا قَدْ نَزَلَ الْقُرْآنِ بِأَمْرِ فِيكَ وَقَدْ غَفَرْتُ لَكَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمْرَنِي أَنْ أَغْفِرَ لَكَ Abu Bakr رضي الله تعالى عنه called Mistah back and he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an about my dealings with you. He says from today on forth I will spend even more money on you than I used to before and I forgive you for having hurt my feelings and said what you said about my Aisha. He says, "Because Allah commanded me that I should forgive you, and I want to earn the forgiveness of Allah." So that was one of the very powerful, um, you know, incidents that occurred in the immediate aftermath or as a consequence of this, you know, situation of the ifq. Now, Inshallah, we'll go to uh, the Quran, an Nur, Surah number uh, twenty-four. To take a look at the ayat, we'll be starting from ayah number 11, going to ayah number 26. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah, ayah number 11, he says, It was a group from among you that concocted the lie. Do not consider this entire situation a bad thing for you Rather in its its, uh, result, in its consequence It was a good thing Every one of them will be charged with the sin that that person has earned And the one who was responsible for all of it Will face a very severe and painful punishment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This talking about the Munafiq Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when you heard the lie, why did believing men and women not think well of their own people? When you heard it, why was your immediate reaction not? Why was it not to think good of the people, and to say, to pronounce, to proclaim, to declare, this is a lie, this is a slander, this is false, obviously false. That should be your default reaction, not oh really, la abadan. No, the immediate reaction should be well ayathu billah, astaghfirullah, ittaqillah. Fear God. I had a student come to me recently. Say that, you know, what should my response be? If I find myself in a position of influence, if I find myself in a position of, you know, authority or, you know, influence in the sense that where people come to you to verify information, to clarify information, to understand maybe what's going on. And somebody comes to you and kind of says, I heard such and such and I'm bothered by it or I heard such and such and that's terrible and I heard such and such and I hope it's not that way. What should be my response? How should I respond to it? Should I diffuse the rumor? Should I confirm it? Should I say that's bad? If it happens then it's bad. Or like how do I even go about responding? And again, just based off of this ayah, what I learned from the book of Allah, what we learned from the Prophet ﷺ, what we learned from our teachers… What I told the student was, you just look at the person and you say, It's aqillah fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, you know, obviously, try to always give people the benefit of the doubt, but also deliver the message that fear Allah. Because what tangible, practical benefit can be achieved by you coming and talking to me about it? It's only fishing for more information. And the longer that that evil lives in your head, the more it infects and pollutes and makes its way into your heart. ittaqillah wal billah. I don't have time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the resources, and the wherewithal to deal with any, anybody else's issues. Existent or non-existent. True or false. I'm too busy trying to make my own way to paradise, to jannah. I have a family I have to take care of in this dunya and make sure they're okay in the akhirah. Where did I get the luxury? When did I get the luxury? Did I receive some type of memo, email, notice in the mail that told me I'm done, my job is done? I'm guaranteed paradise? My children are gonna grow up to be pious, righteous people and gonna go to paradise? Did I get some guarantee or notification that I missed? Maybe, it's maybe in my spam folder I should go check? If not, then where did where did I get the time? Where did I get the luxury to be able to start digging into other people's lives and worrying about what's going on with them? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala goes on to say, "Laula jā'u ʿalayhi bi-arbaʿati shuhada. Laula jā'u ʿalayhi bi-arbaʿati shuhada. Fāʾdlam ʿandallāhi hūm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that and why did the accusers not bring forth not bring forth four witnesses to this accusation if they cannot produce the necessary the requisite witnesses then they have been declared as liars in the sight of God that's the other thing I hate to you know break it down to such a fundamental level. It is at some level an oversimplification, admittedly. It's an oversimplification. You just don't worry, you worry about your own self, you never worry about anybody else. It, it, it seems like an over And it is an oversimplification, but sometimes things are just that simple. That when you go through the trouble of accusing someone, and you don't have anything to base that off of, now you're the liar. We still don't know whether that other person did anything wrong or not, but one thing we do know for a fact is that you are a slanderous liar. You are a snake. We know that much for sure now. That's what Allah says. فَأُولَٰئِكَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الكاذبون. They are liars without a doubt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say, وَلَوْ فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا والآخرة لَمَسَّكُمْ فيما أفضتم فيه عذاب عظيم. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say that if it were not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing and mercy upon you in this world and in the next, you have already been completely destroyed, annihilated, afflicted with the terrible punishment for engaging in this type of talk and discussion. بِأَفْوَاهِكُمْ مَا لَيْسَ لَكُمْ بِهِ عِلْمٌ هَيِّنًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when you took it up with your tongues, when you put your tongues to it, and you spoke those words with your mouth, things that you had absolutely no knowledge about, you had no business talking about. And then after all of that, you acted as if it was no big deal. You know what a bad habit is? You know that you know how we do that. Something very popular in our lingo, in our culture To demonstrate for you We'll say whatever it is that we want to say We'll slander somebody back and forth we'll, we'll say whatever it is that comes to our tongue And the end of it will be like You know, but I don't know, I don't know Allahu alam Ajib I don't know man, I don't know Wallahu a'lam what? Of course Wallahu a'lam We knew that Right Wallahu a'lam Bima huwa a'lam Allah knows that He knows Thank you for expressing that But the problem is You already said what you wanted to say If you would have started with Wallahu a'lam And stopped there as well Start and stop with Wallahu a'lam Now that's worthwhile but you said what you wanted to say, and you said what needed to be, whatever it is that you needed to just get out of your system. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say that when you heard the lie, why did you not say we should not repeat this? God forbid, it is a terrible, unforgivable slander and lie against someone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is, look at the mercy of Allah, it's like Allah saying, I'll give you another chance though. Think about it. Who was slender? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we talked about this in the previous Sira sessions, on the night, on the journey of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, we already knew but Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala proclaimed on that monumental momentous night Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala proclaimed that Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa is Habibullah is the beloved of Allah and the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa in this dunya proclaimed and affirmed wallahi inni uhibbuki ya Aisha He was asked man ahabbu nasi ilayka ya Rasulullah who do you love the most and he said Aisha I love Aisha more than anybody else in this world. And then the, sec- the second person that was probably, after the Aisha and the Prophet the next person that was probably hurt the most, harmed the most of this was the father, Abu Bakr. Ta'ala and that's then he was Athumaman or Minar No, no, Messenger Allah, of course you love your wife the most, but amongst your brothers, who do you have the strongest sense of brotherhood with? And he said, Abuha, Ha, Aisha's father. Right? Abu Bakr. So the, the beloved of the beloved of Allah was the one who was slandered. And look what Allah says. Ya'idukum Allahu an ta'udu limithrihi abada. Inkuntum God warns you to never, ever do anything like this ever again if you are truly believers. What happens when you tell somebody, don't do it again? But that's basically telling them what? I'll, I'll forgive you this time. Look how merciful Allah is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes his message very, very clear to you, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly knows everything and he is constantly. Aware of the wisdom and the beauty within everything, إن الذين يحبون أن الفاحشة في الذين آمنوا لهم عذاب في الدنيا والآخرة والله يعلم تَعْلَمُونَ فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes the major portion of this section by saying, "A painful punishment awaits in this world and the next for those specifically." who spread indecency amongst the believers. God knows because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and you don't know. Allah knows everything and you know nothing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if it was not for Allah's blessing and Allah's mercy, and the fact that He is compassionate and merciful. Meaning, Allah would have dealt with you a lot more harshly. If it was not for the mercy and the blessing of Allah, and the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely compassionate, loving, and merciful. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes the discussion on this by saying, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ الشيطان. That, O oh, you who believe, do not follow in the footsteps of the shaytan. That tells you, that reminds us, Right? Uh, I'm going to share a few concluding lessons from this in summary, so I'll talk about it there. Because whosoever follows in the footsteps of Shaitan, that person will spread, will be a force of spreading indecency and evil within the community and the society. That is specifically Shaitan's plan. Spread indecency. Spread evil and suspicion within the community. وَلَوْ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ مَا And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say that if it were not for Allah's blessing and Allah's mercy towards you, not one of you would have ever been able to attain purity Allah purifies whomsoever He wills, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears all, listens to everything and everyone, and he sees everyone and everything. He is all hearing and all seeing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say, Wala ya'atali ulul fadli minkum. And yuqtu ulil Qurba وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي wal اللَّهِ أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ rahim. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who have been graced with bounty and plenty should not swear that they will no longer give to their family members, the poor, those who migrated in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, they should forgive them, pardon them, forgive and forget, let it go, forgive them. Remove the burden of that from your heart. Don't you want for Allah subhanahu wa taala to forgive you? If you want the forgiveness of Allah, then learn to forgive other people, no matter how terrible it is what they've done. And Allah subhanahu wa taala, wallahu raheem, Allah subhanahu wa taala is constantly forgiving. And constantly merciful إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْسَنَاتِ الْغَافِلَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ لُعِنُوا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَلَكُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says That those who accuse honorable Completely unaware of these accusations Believing women Those people are rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They are completely rejected by Allah in this life and the next, and a painful, terrible torment and punishment awaits for them in the life of the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know protect us all. That that is the day that their own tongues, their own hands, their own feet will testify against them. This person walked to that other person's house, sat down and drank tea with that other person, and then talked about people. And and attacked people's honor and people's decency. They this will testify against the person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that on that day. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will fully you know Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will fully award them whatever it is that they are deserving of retribution Allah will offer complete absolute retribution on that day and it's very interesting how it said retribution meaning for those who were slandered they will be honored and those who slandered those who did the slandering the liars, the accusers, they will be ruined on that day. وَيَعْلَمُونَ عَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمُبِينَ And they will come to realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He Himself is the ultimate truth. He is the truth. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْخَبِيثَاتُ لِلْخَبِيثِينَ Lil لِلْخَبِيثَاتِ وَالطَيِّبَاتُ لِلْطَيِّبِينَ وَالطَيِّبُونَ لِلْطَيِّبَاتِ This is a very interesting and remarkable ayah of the Qur'an and Mufassirun have discussed it at length. It's an example of the really remarkable, profound, marvelous, eloquence. Of the Quran, so there's a number of different commentaries for it. There's a number of different layers for it. Scholars have been fascinated by this ayah for you know a millennia and a half. I'll share a very basic translation and just a little bit of insight into it with you. So it says, "Corrupt women are for corrupt men, and corrupt men are for corrupt women. Good women are for good men, and good men are for good women." And then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala goes on to say that. مِمَّا يَقُولُونَ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَرِزْقٌ كَرِيمٌ That those, meaning the good people, they are innocent, completely free of the accusations that have been made against them, and reserved exclusively for them, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate absolute forgiveness, and a very honorable, noble provision, sustenance, gifts, Await them with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has made arrangements for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set up hospitality for them. Allah will host them. Right? So the, the curious part of the ayah is where it says corrupt, you know, women are for corrupt men and corrupt men are for corrupt women and then vice versa. You know, it says that the good women are for good men and good men are for good women. So, this, like I said, has many, many different implications and meanings, but part of its relevance and significance here within this context is the fact that you dare accused the wife of Muhammad Rasulullah. Do you have any idea how stupid that is? Do you have any realization, any awareness? Of how foolish that is The wife of Muhammad Rasulullah wasallam. When Allah puts good people with good people Who do you think Allah would have provided His beloved, his habib, his friend his, the, the best of his creation Who do you think Allah would have provided As his companion? Aisha was provided to the Prophet by Allah as a companion. And you accused her? Really? The the logic. You know, maybe your spiritual fortitude didn't work, but even your brain didn't work at that moment to logically think about this? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes with that. Allah concludes by saying, well, Whoever said whatever they wanted to say, fine, they said it. They sullied their own souls, their own tongues. But those people that they accuse are completely free. Free of what these people said about them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reserved mercy, forgiveness, hospitality, honor, blessings, nobility for them in the life of the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the company of the Prophet sallallahu and his beloved family in jannatul al al-A'la. Um, from the ayat of the Qur'an, because it was a pretty lengthy passage, there's just three basic points. I wanted to kind of point out three things that really jump out that are kind of the crux of the passage. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says this wasn't bad. This was good. It's good that this happened. Allah says, don't worry. It was painful in the moment, but it was good. Because sometimes that growth comes through pain. And think about it, 1400 years later, we are sitting here halfway across the world learning a lesson from that. Growing in our love and respect for our mother Aisha radiAllahu Knowing not to make the same mistakes as some of the people made at that time so there is sometimes we go through difficulty and adversity but because but it becomes a means of unlocking a great benefit and khair for somebody else down the further down the road right it's like planting the tree that somebody else will sit under the shade of we sit today tonight as we learn this we discuss this we sit under the shade of the tree that our mother aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha planted 1400 years ago May Allah be pleased with her. That's the first lesson. The second thing that I wanted to point out here is this type of behavior, you know, gossip and rumor, mongering, and you know, um, talking about other people, digging into other people's lives and details. Allah describes this as following in the footsteps of shaitan. This is the undoing and the unraveling of communities and families this will destroy individuals this will destroy homes this will destroy entire communities this, this is the way on plants the virus this is how he introduces the virus into the system of a believing community treat it like the plague cut it out immediately disconnect from it immediately Because it will spread like wildfire. And it will destroy and ravage everything in its path. We have no room for it. We have no time for it. And lastly and finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that everybody, you know sometimes like I had said before, the truth might not come to light even. You know, our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha was beloved to Allah and the Prophet sallallahu was alive at that time so the Qur'an came down absolving her. What happens if somebody accuses someone and even in their lifetime it's never clarified, never comes to light. This is why we believe in the life of the hereafter. This is why we have akhirah. haq. That day everyone will get their due. The wrongly accused will be absolved, exonerated and honored and dignified. Rizqun Kareem, Kareem, Allah will honor them. Right? And those who accused, those who did wrong, they will deal with the severe wrath and anger and punishment of Allah. May Allah protect us all. So inshallah, we'll go ahead and conclude here. And inshallah going forward We'll be talking and discussing and learning About the n- another major event From the sixth year of the Prophet ﷺ's uh, Residence in the city of Medina The sixth year of Hijrah And that of course is The Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Sulhul Hudaybiyah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all The ability to practice everything that was said and heard Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik Nashad wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu